You may have noticed uh, in last week's Sacramento News and Review an article about one of KDVS's own. That would be Mick Mucus, who's been doing a punk music program on this station for some years now. He took a trip down to Peru, the nation of his birth, recently, and uh, helped assist the victims of a large earthquake that struck Pisco, Peru. We thought it'd be great to have him on the show to talk about his experiences down there, and happily he will join us. Mick Mucus, welcome to Radio Parallax. How's it going, uh, Mr. Douglas Everett? Good to talk to you. <laughs> well, we're glad to have you. Uh, uh, you you were born in Peru. That's true. Uh, I didn't choose it, but I just consider myself very lucky to have been born in Peru and my dad to be a Peruvian, actually. And and your, your Espanol is pretty good? Yep. This is my first language. It took me 30 years to forget it, so it still <laughs> comes back. All right. Well, I gather from reading this that you were going to go down for a family reunion, but wound up getting involved in some of the relief efforts. Yeah, for sure. We had the trip planned for a year and a half, and in the meantime, the earthquake happened, and uh, I thought, well, while I'm down there, rather than just visit family and do touristy things, why not uh, do something that will help out a place that I really, really love? Yeah, reading in this article, it looks like this is a pretty big shaker they got down there. The Loma Prieta quake, which is, of course, a pretty sizable one back in 89, was 7.7. This was 7.9. Well, yeah, and also you have to remember the place where it is, is where, where it happened, is pretty poor. Most of the buildings were masonry and uh, very old, and so 80% of the uh, town fell down or was unrepairably damaged yeah. from, from the earthquake. Yeah. And you, you hooked up with a group, a relief group. Uh, tell us about them. Well, yeah, we, we went down there. Actually, my sister found them uh, through some friends, and uh, we emailed them ahead of time to see if they could uh, use our help. And my sisters and I and my niece and nephew went down there uh, between Christmas and New Year. And uh, it was a group called Burners Without Borders. There were uh, people from Burning Man who had gone down there and were working with uh, another group helping to clear rubble and to uh, stay along and begin some rebuilding projects down there. Really a great organization, really interesting setup, really a great way to, to help out down there. And I'm gathering here that, uh, of course, uh, one of the main things you were involved with is sort of sewage and getting some, some, some sanitation down there to keep the water supply safe. Is that, is that correct? Yeah, that's a great plan that they came up there with uh, the Burners Without Borders did, um, a, a way to uh, bring sanitation as quickly as possible back to uh, decimated parts of Pisco because it's expected that... Uh, more people will die from the disease, you know, from lack of uh, proper sanitation than actually died in the earthquake. And uh, that's a real danger, and uh, they have a really innovative way of trying to, trying to stop that by creating a one-piece bathroom, basically, that has a toilet, a sink, and a shower, pouring that in one day and having it ready so the uh, people who, who live there can use that actually as a cor- cornerstone to start rebuilding their houses. It's, it's been six months since the earthquake, most places don't have any kind of sanitation still, and most people are still living in tents and, uh, you know, on their land or in tents in other places. You know, unfortunately, uh, a lot of government help hasn't come or has been tied up in bureaucracy, so the people there are in desperate need, and I think the Burner's Plan is probably the most uh, innovative and promising way to really uh, help out down there. It sounds like you guys put in some long hours. Well, yeah, um, I mean, the article had said we work 16 hours. That's not true. I don't know how they came up with that. But, uh, but you, you know, you work a eight-hour day usually, and, uh, you know, usually five or six days a week. But there's something about working for free for the good of someone else that makes it so much more rewarding than working for a living, you know. Working for a living, it seems like you die every time you do it. 
but working for someone else, it makes you feel like more alive somehow. There was one subplot I found quite interesting, this whole tale. Apparently, uh, there was some thought the people in Pisco may have been ignored by the government because they weren't supporters of the central government. Well, you hear that too, and traditionally, uh, the Piscanians, you know, the Peruvians say, because it's a port town, because it's traditionally pretty poor, they say, uh, you know, it's full of drunks and, and criminals, but, you know, that's just a, a stereotype of, you know, one people has on themselves, and, and not true, but, uh, yeah, a lot, there was speculation saying that, you know, the government purposely ignored them for lots of reasons. Some people said it would be cheaper just to let them die than to try to go down there at night and help them, and others uh, suggested that, yeah, they were uh, unpopular with the government. From what I understand, though, they became unpopular with the government after the earthquake, after the promised uh, relief never came. They actually uh, threw stones at Alan Garcia, when he, when he, the president, Alan Garcia, and made him leave the town because they were disappointed by the, uh, the, relief, the government relief effort that had come. Chris, we should also point out that we'd never see anything in this country like, you know, uh, a central government ignoring people <laughs> because they weren't politically with them. Oh, uh, that's true. I mean, it's been six months since the earthquake, and you remember what it was like six months after Katrina here. <laughs> so, you know, not yeah. to point fingers. Yeah. But or or, still, or yeah. our California energy crisis, we might mention as well, but that's that's another story. Oh, yeah, you're talking about the uh, vengeance of the federal government. Yeah, well, I just, yeah the whole energy crisis. But now, it, that kind of stuff doesn't happen, does it? <laughs> Yeah, only in Latin America. It would never happen here. Yeah. But uh, I guess a lot of people may want to be interested in this group. Uh, is there a website for them to go to? For sure. It's uh, www.burnerswithoutborders.org. And uh, right now they're trying to raise uh, some money to, to buy a cement mixer because they've been having to rent one or acquire one every day for their works. If people are willing to uh, chip in a little bit, they can get up enough to get their own cement mixer and they won't have to deal with that every day. Well, it's amazing to think, you know, something as simple as a cement mixer, kind of fairly low tech, not very expensive, but it could make a big difference for folks down there. Yeah, for sure. Cement mixers are kind of in high demand around there, as you can imagine. I think 2000 is a good price for a, a good quality cement mixer and something that they really need and that will end up helping a lot, a lot, a lot of people. Well, Mick, you know, we certainly need, we need we need a correspondent down in these South American Andean nations, Ecuador, Bolivia, Peru. So I think I think you're it. Well, I have lots of friends down there, but and they'll be happy to tell you about uh, punk rock music in South America. But next time I'm next time I'm down there, I'll give you a call from Lima or from Pisco. And I I think that'd be outstanding. We will go for that. And and while you're at it, why don't you plug your your show here, the KDVS? It's the Chicken Years on Tuesday nights. From 9 until 11, playing a wide variety of loud, fast, and stupid music for uh, all listening audiences. <laughs> well, Mick, it's, uh, thank you for speaking with us. Uh, I, I know I do want to have you come back in the not-too-distant future because this whole thing about this trial of Alan Garcia and attempted assassinations has been in the news, and it's fascinating, and I, I'd like some follow-up on that. Yeah, Fujimori is the guy that's on trial, and it, it really is a truly twisted and bizarre uh, tale of uh, Peruvian government in general, but especially between uh, 1990 and, and 2000. Simply lies, sex, and videotape, basically, is what it is. Well, we'll have to have more of that, so come back. All right. Well, dude, thanks for having me on <laughs> your right. show. It's great. I love it. Our pleasure. Take care now. All righty. All right. Well, we look forward to having uh, Mick on this program in the future, and I think it's time we brought uh, back uh, one of our oldest pals. In fact, I'd say our oldest pal here at KDVS. That would be... Dr. Andy Jones, the purveyor of Dr. Andy's 
Poetry and Technology Hour every Wednesdays at 5 o'clock on this same station. And I think we have him now. Dr. Andy, welcome back. Thank you, Doug. It's always a pleasure to appear on Radio Parallax. <laughs> now, uh, you are, of course, the, 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 the poetry meister, and you have something going on right now in that, in that realm. I do. Uh, with my friend Brad Henderson, I'm hosting a, a poetry reading that happens twice a month at Bistro 33 on the first and third Wednesdays of the month. And it's a great poetry series. We featured lots of faculty from UC Davis, also traveling poets. And this coming Wednesday, the 6th of February, we have Mary Mackey. And she's a professor of English and creative writing at Sac State, at CSU Sacramento. And uh, really one of the most accomplished authors that we've had as part of the poetry series at Bistro 33. So I'm hoping that uh, some of the listeners will uh, come out and uh, check out this great show. Well, I'm I'm sure they will. And anybody coming down from Chico? Because we're going to be heard up, uh, of course, thanks to KZFR up in that area. Well, there's a great poet in Chico. If I remember correctly, his name is Troy Jollymore. And uh, I came across one of his poems in this month's Poetry Magazine. He's written a great essay on Eliot, and I've heard him on the Poetry Society of America podcast. And uh, I haven't met him in person, but I've gotten to know him a little bit by reputation. So, Troy Jollymore, if you're listening, we're going to be contacting you soon, <laughs> and hopefully we will uh, get you as one of our readers at uh, Bistro 33, one of the first or third Wednesdays of 2008 readings that start at 9 o'clock. And you know, Doug, <clears throat> we have an open mic after the featured reader, and uh-huh. that means that you, for instance, could dig out some of your old uh, poetry or fiction or even read a short essay. I know you're an essayist on top of everything else. Uh-huh. And, and share some of your work with uh, an adoring live crowd. I know it's not typical for you, but uh-huh. it's an open mic. We don't turn people away. Well, if I start to do poetry, it won't be an adoring crowd for very long. <laughs> okay. Well, you should let us be the judge of that. <laughs> I'm afraid to. But, uh, boy, at the Bistro 33, you, you're becoming a Bistro 33 fixture, I, I might add, because uh, I had the pleasure of... Finally, joining your operation there every Mondays for Trivia Night. Trivia Night is lots of fun. It's one of the things I do publicly that has no social redeeming value and very little educational redeeming value. But boy, is it fun. That's uh, Monday nights at 9 o'clock. I stand up there in front of the uh, everyone at the bar and in those booths at Bistro 33 and ask uh, 30 trivia questions teams of up to six people, and they hushedly scrawl down their answers, talk with their teammates, and then uh, turn in their scorecards at the end to win fabulous prizes, as I believe your team did when you played. <laughs> well, yes, I should. I showed up, and you promptly uh, farmed me out to uh, a team that was, I guess, one of the stronger teams, and uh, we, we did come up a little bit short. One of the stronger teams and one of the younger teams. I'm sure they were glad to have your wisdom and experience and <laughs> well, breadth of knowledge represented. Yeah, well, when you did say you were going to do a five-parter on movies of the 30s, they did look pretty glum, and I said, don't worry, we're going to run the table. <laughs> and I think you did. And by you? God, we did, yes. So uh, that's just what you wanted to hear, and that's something that we do as part of the pub quiz. 
every week. There's always uh, one theme for the second half, five questions on the same theme. It might be movies of the 30s or the continent of Africa. We did one on Japan. Uh, and I've got some great themes that I've, I've planned for future pub quizzes. Yeah, yeah. So people who uh, thrive on competition, who know obscure facts, who are well-read, I think they'll have a lot of fun at the, uh, the pub quiz Monday nights at 9. But you do need a good team because i got to say there's plenty of things I just – there's no way I could have got. For example, you had a – this is a true Davis uh, trivia question. One of the majors, uh, you, you, you read the description of the major, and I didn't know – I had no idea there was such a major. You're talking about technocultural studies. And that is actually uh, one of the programs that I teach for here at uh, UC Davis. This quarter, in fact, I'm teaching a class called Writing Across Media that brings together the best of production in media arts, whether it be animation, photography, music, and then combine that with writing, whether it be creative writing or the challenges of the artist trying to represent her work in an artist's statement. It's one of my favorite classes to teach at UC Davis. I've taught it for about three years now, and it's a staple of the technocultural studies major. Excellent. You know, we also want to take a moment here to, I think, plug our fellow institution down in Lower Freeborn. You got a very nice write-up in the California Aggie by Miles Duncan. Absolutely. I enjoyed that, and they sent a photographer out as well. And uh, my mom enjoyed seeing me dressed in my all-black pub quiz outfit, (laughs) reading from the questions, looking authoritative yet amusing at the same time. So, yeah, it was quite a nice write-up, and uh, it covered the Bistro 33 pub quiz primarily, but also there's even a a longer-established pub quiz Tuesday nights at Sophia's. I think that, that one starts either at 9 or at 10. But there are definitely options for people who uh, like these sort of silly intellectual challenges. Well, I must say, the, the team that won, uh, we did pretty well, got 26, but the team that won with 28, they were formidable, and they only had four members. It was uh, impressive. It's the second week in a row that uh, they had won first prize. It was almost like you and me and our old team at Streets of London in Sacramento in the olden days when we <laughs> used to count on taking first prize every week. But, uh, but now there's a, a new team. I heard, though, from a uh, dependable source that they're not going to be there next week. So uh-huh. everyone has the chance to, uh, to win first prize, which is a $75 gift certificate to Bistro 33. Well, there you go. It certainly was a lot of fun, and uh, I think I may, I may just come out next Monday. I think you should. I'll find a, a team to pair you up with. And, of course, if you can find some people of your, let's call them your intellectual peers, you can certainly count on walking away with a, well, a I, prize. I'll need some people in the areas that I'm weak in, such as poetry. <laughs> well, <clears throat> if you start coming to Poetry Night at Bistro 33 <laughs> on the first and third Wednesdays, 9 o'clock, you'll do much better. For instance, uh, Mary Mackey, she's published five volumes of poetry and 11 novels. Their work has sold over a million copies and translated into 11 foreign languages. So this is really a heavy hitter that we're borrowing from Sac State for February 6th at 9 o'clock at Bistro 33. Well, excellent. I, I think it's great to see the CSUS and UCD collaborating, you know, on, on all different fronts. It's great. Absolutely. And I think it's good, too, to 
just show a note of appreciation for those downtown Davis businesses that are investing in the arts. We can't expect our tax dollars and our schools and the Mondavi Center to take care of all of that. So I certainly appreciate Bistro 33 feeding and paying these poets so that they can be presented free to the community of Davis and anyone within the broadcast range of Radio Parallax. You're all welcome to come down to the old City Hall building at 3rd and F Streets in Davis for Poetry Night. Well, very good, sir. We appreciate you coming back and informing us about this, and I'm sure we'll be talking, I'm quite confident we'll be talking more about this in the future. Absolutely, Doug. Thanks so much for having me on Radio Parallax again, and if not at Bistro 33, I'll see you on the radio. That was Dr. Andy Jones, our KDVS's very own Dr. Andy, the host of Dr. Andy's Poetry and Technology Hour. And which, again, is heard every Wednesdays at 5 o'clock right here on 90.3 FM. You're listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We have an election coming up, so we need to talk a little bit about it. So we'll do that in our next segment. Stay tuned. <laughs>